，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Offson 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。Skipping rope became a popular form of exercise for people stuck at home during the pandemic, but few people took the sport as far as a 35-year-old jumper from the Philippines. Meet Ryan Alonso, who now holds two Guinness World Records for skipping rope. Last year, he won his first record after completing more than 40,000 double under jumps in 12 hours. Now he's also become the record holder for most consecutive crossover skips after successfully completing 3,731 jumps in a row. I'm Ryan Alonso, the Guinness World Record holder of the most double under skips in 12 hours, and also the Guinness World Record holder of the most consecutive jump rope crossovers. This is 35-year-old Ryan Alonso from the Philippines. He also goes by the name Skipman, and it's no wonder why. Back in July, he attempted to break a Guinness World Record for most consecutive jump rope crossovers, which has finally been confirmed as a new world record. He jumped 3,731 consecutive crossovers. In this uh, record, you cannot trip. You you just have to do as much as you can consecutively. And the previous record was 2,405 consecutive crosses. Um, so last month we we got to do over 3,700. And it's not his first world record. Back in 2021, Alonso made headlines after winning a Guinness World Record for most double under skips in 12 hours. He took only breaks of seven minutes each hour, pushing his body to the limit to complete a total of 40,980 double under skips. How did he achieve such a feat? Every time anyone asks me about um, my training for for uh, this 12-hour uh, attempt, no, I would always mention my training from the marathon, wherein I got so much wisdom and knowledge from that training because that's the only major endurance activity that I did. Alonso also does basketball and boxing, where skipping rope was part of warm-ups. He hopes that his achievements will encourage more people to exercise and try out different kinds of sports. Today, in our spotlight series, we meet Zhen Xianhao, a Taiwanese chef hoping to provide a slice of home for expats. Together with an American friend, Zheng has opened up a dessert shop selling apple pies and pumpkin pies. Our very own Stephanie Yang joins Zheng in the kitchen to find out what makes their apple pies taste like home. He mixes the butter and flour thoroughly. Then he adds the dough into a plastic bag and puts it into the refrigerator. Next, he coats five apples with cinnamon before heating them all up with butter, water, and sugar. He adds the apple filling into the pie crust, and it's ready to go into the oven to bake. This is Zhen Xianhao, co-founder of a dessert shop. Zhen says that one of the keys to making apple pies is preparing and making the pies in an environment of around 18 degrees Celsius or cooler. 
The pine is really low temperature and it's really also good to me because I really easy get wet. So I really like to stay in the environment. It's, already, it's always low temperature. And when I finish one step, I need to take the pie into the refrigerator to make it always feel always cold. I really need uh, really need patience to make it from start and the end. Actually, one apple pie needs to spend almost three to three to four hours. This July, Zen and his American friend decided to open a dessert shop selling American-style pies. Zen says his friend, who is from New York, had failed to find a taste similar to that of his mom's homemade apple pies in Taiwan, which is why the two decided to make the pies themselves. So in the past, I also have been to America before for the language school. So it's maybe around three months. So during that time, I also come to New York or California and to try their desserts. And I really enjoy it. Went back to Taiwan and I met, I met the way. And he, he had the same problem is he cannot find the same uh, flavor with his mom, the apple pie. So we said, mm, maybe we can try ourselves. And I still remember when he took the pie can out of the oven and he just say, and he tasted and say, finally, you can have a slice of home here in Taiwan. Before starting their business, Zen worked in marketing. His business partner taught English in Taiwan. Zen says they learned how to make pies by experimenting. Study by ourselves because we already had a favor in his brand. So we just tried to look a lot of recipe and we trying again and again. Yeah, and we just try and taste it. And actually, we also uh, spend a lot of time doing other desserts, our com common goal, to make people feel when I have a home taste anytime, anywhere, I can have in Taiwan. So, especially the feeling of home, and especially we use the Western ingredients. The duo hopes that their pies can help their patrons get a taste of home and feel less homesick. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Lee Han in Taipei. Top German chef Thomas Bühne plans to open a restaurant in Taiwan. The three Michelin star chef is working with a Taiwanese team to open a restaurant here in 2023. In the last three years, he's come to Taiwan many times, exploring the country and getting to know Taiwanese cuisine. Food experts hope his arrival will bring more elite restaurants to Taiwan. Tender breast of duck is offset by caramelized pumpkin puree. Spanish carabinero prawns with desiccated persimmons are a mainly layered treat. These are Thomas Booner's signature dishes. Now, Booner's restaurant menus will move from Germany to Taiwan. And last year, two months in, in Taiwanese quarantine hotels. <laughs> so I'm, I'm the number one quarantine hotel Noah in, in Taiwan. Um, that's the reason that gave me the chance to explore the, the island. 
Bruner has come to Taiwan for work many times in the last three years, visiting small farmers and finding Taiwanese flavors to incorporate into his dishes. He even went to New Taipei's Inge district to see the ceramics and tasted local specialties like seafood and beef noodles. But his favorite discovery was oysters with salted black bean paste. We visit a, together a street food kitchen in Kaohsiung. We have had an oyster dish. It was, for me, it was amazing. So, uh, poached oysters with a sauce based on soy. Bruner has been a chef for more than 30 years. He received his first Michelin star in 1996, two stars in 1998, and became a three Michelin star chef in 2012. He retained the three stars for seven more years, becoming a legend in German culinary circles. Noticing Taiwan's potential, he has invested his work here, but he doesn't intend to settle here personally. General in to Taiwan, no, it's not possible because I have a family in Osnabrück and my wife, but I would like to, to share my experience, my vision, my everything with a young team. Buna says he plans to spend 200 days of the next year in Taiwan, bringing his sumptuous menus to Taiwanese diners and attracting more culinary focus to the country. Earlier this week, the Central Weather Bureau shared two maps online showing how different areas of Taiwan are moving on the Earth's surface due to plate tectonics. The maps show how some areas of Taiwan have shifted position at a rate of up to 8 centimeters per year between 2009 and 2018. The maps have attracted a lot of attention online, with netizens wondering whether that that could mean Taiwan is slowly drifting away from China into the Pacific. On Monday evening, another earthquake struck at Taidong's Donghe Township. Fortunately, no people were hurt. Tremors like these often shake Taiwan because of the movement of tectonic plates. These ground movements also gradually shift Taiwan's location in the world. The Central Weather Bureau recently released two maps showing the absolute speed and relative speed at which different areas of Taiwan moved due to tectonic action between 2009 and 2018. The blue arrows represent the direction of the shift and their length represents the distance of that movement. The maps left some internet users wondering whether that meant that Taiwan was gradually moving away from China. A seismologist says that's not the case. The Eurasian plate covers both West Taiwan and China. They are on the same continental plate, meaning they move in the same direction. Taiwan and China are moving together. Taiwan is located on the convergent boundary between the Eurasian plate and the Philippine Sea plate. Thanks to a network of sensors, researchers found Taipei is moving by 0.5 centimeters every year. Over at the Rift Valley running through Hualien and Taidong, the speed is 6 centimeters per year. According to the findings, the fastest moving area is Orchid Island, which is shifting toward Taiwan proper at a speed of 8 centimeters per year. The network of 450 sensors provides valuable information on seismic faults and volcanic activity as well as data on subsidence and sliding underground. This plate is pressing from here and this other one from over there, so Taiwan will gradually become thinner. Over the short term, it won't be a difference big enough for anyone to notice a big change. Seismologists remind that, on a tectonic scale, 10 years is just the blink of an eye. Seeing Taiwan change shape from a sweet potato into a banana will be a matter of several million years, they add.
Recent inclement weather has brought record rainfall to northeastern regions of the country, including Ilan's Ximao Mountain, where more than 4,500 millimeters of rain fell in October alone. Forecasters say rain will continue until Friday and seasonal winds will persist until Wednesday next week. Temperatures are also expected to drop to the mid-teens by next week. Northeasterly winds, combined with peripheral effects of a recent storm and typhoon, have brought extremely heavy rainfall to Ilan in recent days. Especially hard hit was this mountainous area, which has the highest accumulated rainfall nationwide so far this year. A post on a Facebook page where people discuss typhoons in Taiwan brought attention to rainfall data collected on Ilan Shima Mountain. Total rainfall for October reached 4,574 millimeters. That's the heaviest rainfall recorded by any weather station in Taiwan over the course of the month. Since the beginning of the year, the mountain has seen more than 9,500 millimeters of rain. One meteorologist says the area could see more than 10,000 millimeters before the year ends. The peripheral effects of typhoons combined with northeasterlies both impacted local weather in the county. There's also a Tong Township in Nanao, where there is a windward mountain face that always gets rainfall. On some days, more than 1,000 millimeters of rain will fall on that mountain. Previously, the Central Weather Bureau had named Daping in New Taipei's Wanli District as the rainiest place in Taiwan. The village gets an average of more than 6,500 millimeters of rain every year. Now that a weather station has been installed on Shima Mountain, it could be a contender for rainiest place. Information from both our manned weather station and our automatic weather sensors confirmed that October rainfall there was the highest. However, the Shima weather station only has five years worth of weather data. And to really understand a location's weather patterns, we need to look at 30 years of data. That's the only way to get a complete picture of the area's climate. As Shimao's sensors have not been in place for very long, there is not enough historical data to determine whether Shimao could dethrone Daping as the rainiest place in Taiwan. Meanwhile, with rain continuing unabated in Ilan, Dilong, and mountainous areas near Taipei, the Weather Bureau has been issuing heavy rainfall warnings. The rain is likely to continue until Friday and maybe throughout the weekend. There will be some rainfall all across Taiwan. Moisture will start to decrease, and by Monday, we should start to see the rain dissipate. By Wednesday or Thursday next week, the northeasterlies will begin to weaken and the weather will improve. However, northeasterly winds are expected to pick up again by the end of next week, bringing temperatures down to roughly 16 degrees until Sunday in the plains. Two panda experts from China arrived in Taiwan Tuesday evening to visit Tuan Tuan at Taipei Zoo. The visit comes amid a rapid deterioration of the giant panda's health in recent weeks, during which he was found to have a brain lesion. Both Chinese and Taiwanese experts have agreed that offering palliative care to the panda is the way to go for now. They say they will continue monitoring Tuan Tuan's health as the panda is in too delicate a state for surgery. Should they decide to operate, the bear's condition will determine whether the Chinese team or the Taiwanese team leads the procedure. Pingdong hiking enthusiast Dami Wang recently made headlines for summiting the mountain by Nepal's Tilitso Lake, the highest lake in the world. The 34-year-old photographer also managed to camp beside the frozen lake. Few hikers attempt the challenging journey. Let's hear more from Wang now.
Mug of coffee in hand, Domi Wan looks out over Nepal's Tilito Lake, the highest in the world. Pingdong native Wang is serious about hiking. On her recent trip to Nepal, she achieved her dream of camping overnight on the mountain beside Tilito Lake. What was hard was trying to camp by the lake because there's absolutely nowhere to spend the night. Generally, people choose to just walk up it and leave the same day. Hiking at such high altitudes is extremely taxing. The path takes hikers across rocky slopes at temperatures of minus five degrees Celsius. That's enough to freeze a camera fast—a serious test of will. I really wanted to stay overnight by the lake, so I carried up a lot of camping things to the high altitude. It weighed about 15 kilograms or so. Carrying that for a week is pretty uncomfortable, kind of tiring. You have to train for it. A hike like this is not as financially expensive as climbing one of the highest mountains in the world, but saving up for the trip was still a big project. It counts as a normal walk, what we call a normal hike. It's not like the kind of walks experts do, where you might need to acquire lots of sponsorship and organize a team, and expenses are several million NT dollars. My trip to Tilito cost about 170,000 NT. Of course, that's not exactly cheap. I did all kinds of casual work beforehand to save up money to go traveling. On her hike, Wang also ran into Nepalese off-road motorcyclists who were attempting to summit the mountain on their bikes. They made the record for the highest altitude motorcycle ride in Nepal, and Wang caught their celebration on camera. This is surely a trip she'll never forget. The Jai City mayoral race has been suspended after the sudden death of independent candidate Huang Shaotong early Wednesday. The city's election commission says the suspension was decided in accordance with Article 30 of the Civil Servants Election and Recall Act, and that the vote will be rescheduled for a later date. Let's hear from an election official. At roughly 2 p.m., we received a death certificate for one of the city's mayoral candidates. After we received the information, we immediately notified the Central Election Commission. Follow-up election procedures will be handled in accordance with the Civil Servants Election and Recall Act. I express my condolences to the family. Candidates have expressed their condolences to Huang's family, adding that they will wait for further instructions from the election commission. Minister of National Defense Chiu Guozheng answered lawmakers' questions on Wednesday about Taiwan's preparedness for a Chinese attack. Chiu stressed that Taiwan's military was always ready to respond, but would not initiate conflict in the strait. He also added that if needed, Taiwan would be able to mobilize up to 200,000 troops in the 24 hours following a strike by China. China won't win until it has planted its flag on every single government agency. Taiwan's military will fight to the very end, but we will never be the ones to provoke. Defense Minister Chiu Guozheng once again stated that Taiwan would have a chance at winning against China in a conflict. He added that the military is not afraid of defending Taiwan against an attack, but would also not seek to stir up conflict. 
In recent days, Chiu has been asked on many occasions to comment on China's use of intimidation tactics. KMT lawmaker Deng Liwen on Wednesday compared a Chinese attack on Taiwan to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which has been going on for almost a year. She asked the minister whether Taiwan would be able to last that long against China without assistance from the U.S. For Taiwan, having U.S. assistance or not makes a big difference. I'd like to report to you all that my opinion has not changed. We'll rely on ourselves for our defense. Chiu says he is confident in Taiwan's self-defense capabilities. Another lawmaker asked him how many troops Taiwan would be able to mobilize in the 24 hours following a strike from China. The number is 200,000, according to Chiu. How many troops can be mobilized within 24 hours of an attack? We can do 200,000 troops. We wouldn't need that many right away, but we would see the situation in different areas and gradually deploy them. We've conducted drills in the past, so it would absolutely be possible to do that in 24 hours. Amid tensions in the Taiwan Strait, the defense minister explained to lawmakers how Taiwan is ready to defend itself should Beijing attack. Starting November 14th, the duration of isolation for people who catch COVID will be reduced to five days, down from the current seven days. The decision was reached at a meeting on Wednesday during which CECC officials and a panel of experts finally reached a consensus on the matter. Let's hear from the CECC. The daily tally has been going down over the past four weeks. The trend is extremely clear. So it's only now that COVID is at a controllable stage that we can consider doing something like this. The experts always discuss how infectious the virus is after a certain amount of days. After isolating for five days, patients can go out freely, regardless of whether they test positive or negative on a rapid test. If you test negative, however, you don't have to do self-health management. The isolation rules will be relaxed in two stages. Currently, patients have to isolate for seven days, followed by another seven days of self-health management. From November 7th to November 13th, self-health management rules will be eased. Patients can end their self-health management period as soon as they get a negative result on a rapid test. Then, starting November 14th, the isolation period will be reduced to five days.